The College Game Day podcast is presented by Old Dominion Freight Line, helping the world keep promises. The big upset finally lands. A big beatdown makes a statement, and the ACC Wheel of Destiny is back. This is the College Game Day podcast for Monday, October 30th. Reese Davis and Pete Thamel here. Pete, uh, great to have you back on the pod. You were away on assignment last week landing that Michigan plane while a lot of other things have happened and I guess that plane is still circling a little bit. How would you describe what covering that story has been? I mean, you've covered so many major stories. You've broken so many things. Your investigative chops are are beyond dispute. How would you characterize this entire experience of the Michigan saga and story? It's been really interesting uh, to cover as a reporter, Reese. Um, It reminds me a little bit like in the same archetype of the Cam Newton story that unfolded must must have been, what, 12, 13 years ago now? Um, In terms of like the stakes, right? The stakes at at Michigan are the highest right now. And when Cam Newton's eligibility was in flux uh, that year, would that have been, what, 07? Um, No, 10. 10, sorry. Yeah, so now 13 years ago. Um, just as that unfolded and spun and like there was, you know, the, the, the overlays and themes are somewhat similar, right? Like, is this going to impact a potential national title and eventual national title season? Is, uh, you know, there was rumblings of the FBI being involved back then, um, you know, go, going back to that, uh, going back to that year. There was, uh, yeah. So I, I would think. You know, in the 20 years that I've that I've covered national college football, those would be the only two moments where the explosiveness of the story matched the stakes of the story. And there were just some some wild twists and turns. And so we're now as we tape this Monday morning, I guess we're we're almost what, 10 days into the Connor Stallions era, something like that. Like he emerged uh, he emerged when we were in. uh I think we were in Columbus that Friday yeah, right for, before, for, for yeah. game day. Yeah, it was Thursday night yeah. going into Friday. And then the story that Yahoo broke was midweek that week. So we're we're approaching the two week mark, I guess, of this uh, of this thing. And it is it is gone at a pretty high clip in terms of uh, rate and pace. And uh, it'll be interesting to see if this week that, uh, you know, things continue to uh, things continue to spill out. So, no, it's uh, you know, th- this will be the defining story of this college football season. Um, just because it it will weave through the highest levels, because um, Michigan's really good. Like it, there's no there's no disputing that. Um, and so this is gonna, I I would have a hard time seeing this story not be in lockstep with everywhere that Michigan goes. And I think I've said it on the pod. Like I think Michigan is gonna win the national title. Like that's you know that's not. And again, that's not a hot take, right? I feel like mm-hmm. you, you may be in that in that camp right now too i am yeah you got to pick one right now hey to your credit reese you picked up number one to start the year you know you you saw the collective talent of what they brought back um but but ultimately i think this story runs through the end of the season it runs through the college football playoff if michigan does make it um and then it runs through the the fate of jim harbaugh uh i thought you know pat mcavee had some interesting comments on, on on the game day set on saturday that i you know it will be really interesting to see if Jim Harbaugh, you know, come spring football is still the coach at, at Michigan. Just he's had his own NFL aspirations. Um, he's had flirtations. He's had opportunity with the Broncos last year. Um, does this, uh, you know, does this, you know, now the three investigations lingering over Michigan impact his future there? Does it impact Michigan's future with uh, with him? Um 
So I just think like this story has has legs and it's going to have legs for quite a while. Um, and in in really impact impact the sport at the highest level, impact one of the highest you know the highest level programs in the uh, in in the sport. And uh, yeah, it's just there aren't a lot of things like that 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 I cover at this point to say I've never done that. Like I've never seen one quite like this. It's a fascinating phenomenon, and Michigan has a game on Saturday, a rematch of the Big Ten championship game in a manner of speaking, I guess, and Purdue team that they smashed in Indianapolis last year and will likely do again. And then Penn, uh, rather uh, Michigan season will finally start uh, the following week against Penn State. Whatever you think of the Nittany Lions going in there in that environment against uh, a team that needs to prove its worth at the highest level will be a challenge. And in all honesty, the first real time, first real chance this season where you think, okay, this team is capable of beating Michigan if Michigan doesn't play to its level. And you also have to watch the cumulative effect. That's something I've tried to point out on game day. It's real easy to galvanize in the immediate aftermath of being challenged with something like this that calls into question how you have reached the level of success that you have. But over time, does it continue to galvanize? Are you good at blocking it out? Or... Does it start to chip away? Does it start to weigh on you? I think we've seen that uh, multiple times over the years. And while this situation is not nearly uh, as serious as the one involving Alabama basketball last year in which there there was a shooting that resulted in a death, they, they galvanized for a while. And then they started to take on the look of a team that was um, burdened by all of the things that were going on around them. Will that happen to Michigan? Again, please understand, in no way is the Michigan situation as serious as that. I'm just speaking to the human condition of dealing with outside things going on that weigh on your psyche, whether whatever level of severity they might be, things can weigh on you, and particularly in a team setting, does it start to diminish performance? And we'll find out. Or, you know, does it continue to uh, elevate Michigan because they feel like, you know, that they're going against everybody and people are, you know, people are out to get them. One quick thing, and then I want to spin it to last weekend. If if Jim Harbaugh does go to the NFL, uh, it was called to my attention on Sunday that, uh, and you may have the particulars on this, Pete, Um, I don't think it's really big time necessary to be precisely accurate here at this point because Jim Harbaugh is still at Michigan, not going to the NFL at this moment. But I believe when Jim Trestle ran into his issues at Ohio State and was out and then was uh, hired as a consultant or some such thing, that there was a period of time with the NFL team that hired him, I believe the Colts, before he assumed that role. I, I, you know, someone brought that up as to whether – you know, whether the NFL would be a little hesitant to be viewed as, for lack of a better term, an escape hatch without, you know, without imposing some type of uh, pushback. If, in fact, Jim is offered a job, if, in fact, he takes it, if, in fact, all of this is proven to be uh, 
of such great substance that it signals the end of the Harbaugh era. All of that's way down the road. Immediately, they have Purdue, Penn State, and then ultimately Ohio State have Maryland in there, too, which, by the way, laid a massive egg that everybody should have seen coming uh, on Saturday, most notably those of us trying to catch up in a certain Superdog race. Um, but I hated to go against uh, uh, Locks and Talia, but you know I had, had a little gut feeling about that, didn't act on it. Shame on me. I lose. Weekend Review is brought to you by Dr. Pepper. It ain't college football season without the delicious taste of an ice-cold Dr. Pepper, the one fans deserve. Pete, one of the things that we've talked about the last few weeks on this podcast and on College Game Day is that there hadn't been a playoff-altering season, the shape of the season-altering upset that had occurred. Now, Kansas was unranked, but I believe Kansas to be a good football team, so it wasn't, you know, like, losing to a two and five team that Oklahoma did, but it definitely changed the shape of the season. The big 12 race. Now everybody, half the league almost has one loss and they're all tied for first place. And that's going to start to sort itself out. But this was, uh, this was one of those losses to Kansas that happens in college football, but it also is one that helped the entire picture take shape. And for the first time, uh, I even though they won the head-to-head game, and I want to give them credit for that, I think Texas is better than Oklahoma. I left the Cotton Bowl thinking Texas was better than Oklahoma. Oklahoma just played its absolute A-plus game, heroic plays from Dylan Gabriel, and they pulled an upset in a rivalry game, and, the, and your ranking process can't be about one game. It's got to be about the entire season. I think Texas is better. I have them ranked ahead of Oklahoma now, and it really – change the outlook for whoever the Big 12 champion might be as it pertains to getting to the playoff, unless it's Texas that runs out the rest of the way. Yeah, I think, you know, one of the definitive takeaways from that upset, Reese, is now if we had to rank of the five major conferences who is least likely to make the playoff, the Big 12 has sort of asserted itself in that role just because of the simple fact they don't have an undefeated team left. So I think I'll start on that upset to be like, it was a surprise, obviously, but like Lance Leipold has brought <laughs> Kansas back to such relevancy where like nobody was like gobsmacked, right? Like it was right, okay, it's an right. upset. It was historic. There right. were all the great numbers. Um, I think it was Jason Benetti and Brock Hewitt on the call that game. I thought they did a great job. They're ter- really they're terrific. They're by the great. Way. Both yeah, those guys very are good. terrific. Yeah, yeah, they did. I hope we're allowed to talk about the yeah. competition at least some of yeah. it. That they're terrific. Yeah. yeah, no, they did. They did a nice job. And, and Hewitt at one point, like did like the 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 chill spine scene set like for they haven't won beaten the top 10 teams since 87 they like rattled them all off and i just thought they really did a great job bringing it home by the way that game like i i uh i texted some people at kansas like i was exhausted watching right like it was you know because of the delay because of like the the weather like gosh i hope uh lance leipold went home and had a had a nice cold spotted cow on his couch after because he deserved (laughs) uh wisconsin native or Actually, yeah, we spent a lot of time in Wisconsin. Deserved the uh, deserved a, a deep exhale because that game was like a mini series in in how it all uh, and how it all unfolded. And man, Jason Bean, what a bat! Like what what a battler he is, and what a great <laughs> like modern college football story. I believe that was his twenty fifth career start. Um, you know, he obviously started at North Texas, I think, in yeah. 2018 and 2018 he's been around you know what i mean like that that mullet just didn't grow um that's that thing's been uh, nurtured nurtured for a while so 
Yeah, I think it sort of confirms some of our suspicions about Oklahoma, like just that they don't quite have that defense that, you know, that is the level that we've seen Brent Venables build defenses before. They were a little light on talent on that defense. Um, And yeah, I think like, I I mean, sign me up, like send us, send us right back to Jerry world. If that, if that, if we're going to get that rematch in the big 12 title game and not to dismiss anyone else's chances, uh, obviously K state could throw a, could throw a wrench in things uh, this weekend. They're playing really well right now, by the way. Playing great. Really, really well right now. And don't, Chris Kleiman won a lot of national titles at North Dakota State as a head coach and as a coordinator for a reason. That dude can build a team and build a program and get better. Um, he is the best coach in the Big 12. And just don't don't think he won't have K-State ready. They have the uh, Avery Johnson, the backup quarterback, who, who you know they've used in some change of pace situations. That is an interesting weapon for what will probably be, um, if Quinn Ewers doesn't play, like a low-scoring kind of like slog of a game. Um, yeah, it'll be fun to see what what K State has for, uh, for 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 Texas because they still those dudes have won a lot of football games there. Um, you know, a lot of veterans, whole low line back. Um, they, you know, they found Giddens and but there's just a it's a that's a nice program. I think that's going to be a heck of a game in uh, in Austin on Saturday night. You know, I do wonder though, Pete, because um, you know it was almost to the point where Will Howard and Avery Johnson were splitting snaps, but Howard. Howard's played really, really Lights well out. since that started. The last he he's responded to the challenge. Maybe it uh, maybe it took some pressure off of him somehow, and he decided just to cut it loose. But yeah. you know, he threw three interceptions in that loss to Oklahoma State, which kind of got them going. By the way, which we'll mm-hmm. talk about. Too. Oh yeah, and but he hasn't thrown and he thrown one in every game before that, and he hasn't thrown one since. Um, Texas had some trouble with uh, with Dylan Gabriel running. Now a lot of that was a lot of that was scramble, you know, escaping the pocket. But both both Howard and Johnson have scored six touchdowns each on the ground. And yeah. we know obviously Kansas State's going to run the quarterback. I mean, look, you know, look look at who their OC is, Colin Klein. You know, I mean, sure. they're going to run the quarterback. So I, I think there's a chance. But the one thing for all that Kleiman has accomplished, including winning the Big 12 championship last year, which people forget because TCU oh, yeah. went to the playoff. They haven't beaten Texas. Mm-hmm. And Kansas State hasn't beaten them since 2016. And okay. for all of the trouble that Texas has had with different, you know, different programs, Kansas, for instance, you know, Texas had trouble with them. They had trouble with Iowa State, beating Kansas State for whatever reason. So it'll be, it'll be really something to see. They haven't allowed a rushing touchdown. They haven't allowed a touchdown period in the last Mm -hmm. two games. Uh, Mm -hmm. They've got a top 25 rush defense. You know, Texas is going to want to run the ball. I think that one's uh, really fascinating. And you know, you know, Pete, that Brett Yormark is rooting so hard for Kansas state against Texas and for Oklahoma state. Speaking of running the ball, uh, against Oklahoma as they come in with Ollie Gordon, who, you know, short of Barry Sanders, multiple back-to-back game runs, none of the other great Oklahoma State backs have done what this cat's doing. I mean, it's like over 500 the last two games. He's leading the nation in rushing now. Yeah, I mean, the great, you know, with a little Halloween theme here, Reese, the great resuscitation of this college football season has been Oklahoma state. I mean, they were left for like, you know, is Mike Gundy going to make it? Do they maybe have to make a hard decision on him? Cause you go back to the end of last year, 
They they lose to Wisconsin in the bowl game. Remember, West Virginia beat them in Stillwater, the game that might have saved Neil Brown's job. Um, they got uh, they got thumped in Bedlam. Kansas gobsmacked them, and K State beat them forty eight to nothing. Like they were reeling going into last year, and then the start of this season, South Alabama, which by the way has proven to be a pretty mediocre Sun Belt team this year. Mm-hmm. Like they're not. This isn't James Madison running undefeated in, in wild. I, I want to say South Alabama's a, a, a 500 team. I mean, South Alabama smacked them. It was 33-7, but they essentially could have got shut out in that game. Lose to Iowa State, and then all of a sudden, you're, you you host K-State on that Friday night, October 6th, coming off a 48 nothing loss to them last year. I'm thinking if they get blown out of their own building, there could be some changes. You know, they at least would have to contemplate them. And now again... Mike Gundy, a divisive guy, right? Like just has always been, you know, it might not be everybody's cup of tea, but he is an excellent college football coach and has been a consistently excellent college football coach at a place that's hard to win. And I, again, he's had some great stretches in his career and some great wins, but the the four straight coming off of the no-show South Alabama and then the loss in Ames has, has to be some of his finest work because the great coaches get their teams better, Reese, during the season and Mike Mike Gundy shifted the identity, and they are they're on a, they're on a roll now, and uh, they've clearly found a bell cow in uh, in Gordon. As, as you know, because you had the misfortune of reading through this document that I send out, uh, you know, by the end of the day on Sunday, and a lot of times I'm sort of thinking about what I would like to talk about on the various games. You know, if you know if I get the on-camera leads that uh, Kirk and Pat love to tease me about and stare at me and try to mess with me while I'm talking. But I was thinking about the Oklahoma State lead, and a lot of what you said is what I thought about with Mike. Uh, I've always gotten along with Mike well. He's, I think the most remarkable thing that he's done over his time in Stillwater is that he's pulled teams out of the ditch. He's pulled a program – that a couple of times has seemed to be okay. Well, there you go. You know, you know, uh, Mike's lost. Mike's lost the edge. You're going in the wrong direction. You know, the flirtation with Tennessee or whoever years ago didn't work out. Everybody's mad at him. You know, he and Boone Pickens aren't getting along. You know, always think, oh, it's going sideways, and he turns it back. Oh, this mm-hmm. he found. You know, this uh, small college offensive coordinator, and somebody came and stole and paid him more money. You know, the same with the defensive coordinators. I mean, the guy he's got, I don't know. You probably do because you know everybody. His defensive coordinator there is a man called Brian Nardo, who's in his first year from Gannon College. Um, you know, I can confirm I had no idea who Brian Nardo was okay, when he hired him. Well, like, so, zero. Yeah. So, I mean, here he is. He gets this guy, and it's in the line. He found he found Yersich. Yersich, he, yeah. he found Sean Gleason. You know, mm-hmm. he's, he's found, he finds these guys and he turns it around and he's, you know, he's out hunting rattlesnakes and, you know, and pulling quarterbacks in and out. You may not like him. Go ahead. You may say he can't win Bedlam. You're right. He hasn't very often. 0-4 is a player, 3-15 and as a head coach. That dude can coach, man. And, you know, and there would be nothing more fitting and probably more satisfying to Mike Gundy than to end this era by beating Oklahoma. Because while they're there, Oklahoma State all time is 1991 and one against Oklahoma. 
I mean, you want to talk about dominance. That's kind of ridiculous dominance. But if you go back and look, (laughs) I mean, the end of the Lincoln, Riley, Caleb Williams era, that's one of the 19. You know, the final game, the final year in the Big Eight before they both left for the Big 12? Um, Well, they went together, so it's a little bit of an asterisk. Final year of the Big Eight before the Big 12? Cowpokes won. They spoiled a couple of national championship shots for them. Uh, 2001, Oklahoma at least had some designs of going back to back. They were four and seven, and the hat beat them with Gundy on the sideline as an assistant coach. So, you know, there are. I forgot one, about that hat win. That was, a, that was a transformative moment for the hat's career. Hey, man, they, they got them, they got them back to back years. Yeah. Uh, and back to back years sort of squashed whatever, you know, was holding on whatever national title hopes that Oklahoma was holding on to. Cowpokes got them. Uh, but then even, you know, then there, there's a great moment. I hope we use this in the flashback. Uh, 1988 is often referred to as the greatest bedlam. Uh, Oklahoma won the game by three. Barry Sanders on his way to the Heisman. He went for 215 yards, Ooh. 215 yards. And Pete, that was his worst performance over the last six games of the season. 215, 215. Anyway, last drive, apparently Barry Switzer got so nervous that he lit a cigarette on the sideline because he was nervous on the last drive. Oklahoma State's working its way down. And I want video of that. Yeah, I know. That's, a, that's a challenge sure. to our game day uh, <laughs> yeah, crew. If you could find him amazing. firing up a Marlboro Red, that, that would make my weekend. <laughs> so they get down. There's a. I think I have this right. There was a fourth and one, I think, that Oklahoma State had, or would have been a fourth and one. There was a, depending on your point of view, a very questionable personal foul penalty that made it fourth and 16. In fact, I, I you know, I'm going to give you a sneak peek, and I'm going to see how many people on our on our uh group of our group listen to our podcast in the broadcast of that game um which you know i thought maybe oklahoma state was on probation but at any rate i dug this up yesterday there was an analyst a game analyst on the call who when the personal foul penalty came out said unless you're absolutely positive don't call anything like that to disrupt a great game like this you know who the analyst was lee corso Yes, sir. Good call by you, Lee Corso. But at any rate, then Mike throws the ball into the end zone. Uh, probably should have been caught, drop pass, and and Oklahoma survived. But there, there's so much the the worst strategic moment in the history of Bob Stoops' illustrious career happened in Bedlam. Do you remember this one in '14? I don't know if I remember ca- the '14 ca- game. Ca- catastrophically bad decision by Bob Stoops. They punt. They get a fair catch, you know, to back them up. Oklahoma had the lead just over a minute to go. Got a guy to call a fair catch. There was a running into the punter penalty, but it didn't give them a first down. Just gave them five yards. So Bob decided to punt it again. Um, Decided to punt it again. You know who the punt return man for Ohio for Oklahoma State was that day? It would have been Tyreek Hill, I it believe. It was Tyreek Hill. And Tyreek Hill housed that baby. They went into overtime, and the Pokes won in overtime. But yeah. um, there, yeah. there's so many great moments. It's a shame it's ending, but it would be so Gundy to to make it an even 20 victories all time against the Sooners in this one. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, like it's uh, it's it's a fascinating yeah, it's a fascinating one on a lot on a lot of levels. But you uh, you look at Mike Gundy, 19 years 
162 wins, uh, 68% winning percentage. And look, like that is not a program. Now they have Boone Pickens and they have a nice stadium, but like that is not a program that's designed to win. Like you, you don't have a ton of natural resources in terms of geography, in terms of local talent and everything. And he has found a way to kind of defy gravity for a long time and deserves uh, deserves a ton of credit for that. Now in the newly constructed Big 12, you could argue that's one of the better football programs, just mm-hmm. if you look at history. But if you look at history before Mike Gundy, I don't really think you would argue that. Right. So that might be the, the the best credit to his tenure there, that they have outkicked their coverage from their historical winning pre- percentage so consistently that they're viewed through a completely different prism than the first essentially century of their program would have dictated. It'd be pretty remarkable, and, and we're supposed to look back on Mondays instead of ahead, but it would be pretty remarkable if you have Oklahoma State, Kansas State, Iowa State, all of them sticking around at least for the moment after Saturday with a leg up on Oklahoma and Texas before they leave. I'm not predicting <laughs> that. I'm just saying it would be it would be interesting. Um, cornerstone program in the Big 12 going forward, I think, will be Utah. But Utah is not the class of the Pac-12 right now because that game Saturday um, that Oregon went in there and Rice Eccles was alive on the sideline, Pete. You, I mean, you would have loved it. They were they were ready, and I mean, Oregon came out, chest bowed out, stuck their face in the fan, and they whooped them. I mean, flat whooped them. And I still have Washington rated ahead of Oregon. Because of the head-to-head victory, they're undefeated. They deserve that. They earned it with a great game on the field. Washington hasn't looked the same since they played Oregon. I don't know if something took out of them. And Oregon still looks like I would pick Michigan right now. If not Michigan, I would pick Georgia. I still think Oregon and maybe Washington, but Oregon certainly is capable of winning the national championship. That was a that was a tremendous performance on Saturday. It, it really was, Reese. And uh, you have to think essentially – Dan Lanning and what he's building in Eugene is very different than what Chip Kelly built in Eugene, right? Chip Kelly built it on speed and tempo. It was an innovative offense that was, I mean, they were literally a step ahead of like everybody for a while. Dan Lanning is really following the blueprint of how Kyle Whittingham built it, right? They they are going to be a tough, power, balanced football team, dominant on the lines, and you don't go ragdoll Utah. It would be like the they were joking on the on the game day set on Saturday. It'd be like, you know, the the battle royal with Kyle Whittingham. Like that's not somebody you want to wrestle with. And they went yeah. and they went in their house. Um, how about eighty one straight sellouts there? That that number hit hit different. Like yeah. for a, for a program, and this is a compliment to them. They didn't have a ton of history, you know, mm-hmm. before really. You know, they're in the Mountain West. They're a good program. Like boy, have have the people in Salt Lake rallied around that rallied around that program and and i mean that place looked like a looked like a snake but the game day scene looked awesome on saturday reese like it looked yeah it looked as deep and as vast as anywhere we've been in uh in in recent years and it's hard to go into the venue of a team that's built on toughness and just simply body slam them Mm -hmm. and that's what dan lanning and his team did so all the all the credit in the world to him bo nix bucky irving and the whole crew because they 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 put on a a just a a that was a muscle flex, right? If you were going to sum that game up in a GIF, it would be one of those big U D. I'm sorry, one of those big duck D tackles with yeah. with two with two muscles up because they they did an unbelievable job. How about Lanning coming to the set in yeah. front of that crowd? Yeah, um, which you know, 
the Utah crowd got after him, there is certainly an element of concern because while most of them got after all of them, because nothing happened, all of them got after him in a way that one would expect, you know, and you can have a crowd of thousands as we did. It only takes one knucklehead, you know, to make everybody look bad, but Utah instead, they did the smart thing. They just yelled at him. They, they did show their great appreciation for Dan Lanning coming and for his program by telling, there were a lot of guys in the front row that were telling him they thought that the ducks were number one. And uh, yeah, it was, that was maybe a different thing. One digit was, off. Okay. Yeah, it was, yeah. yeah. But anyway, that's, that's what they were signaling, but that, you know, it was all in fun. And, Landing, landing's not scared. Uh, it was yeah. it was fun. One of his uh, one of his confidants. I was standing close to on the sideline. They scored the first touchdown, and he posts me. He says, "Watch this. Watch what's going to happen." He said he he had a two point play dialed up something, and Utah was either ready or didn't give him the look, and they ended up kicking the thing. But you know, was, didn't they do I, that in in Seattle? Yeah, they did do it in yeah. Seattle. Also, it made the game some, goofy because it puts everybody off. Put the score off, yeah. yeah. So he had something ready this time, and they ended up being uh, smart enough. Didn't have the look, so they didn't try to force it. But uh, I was, I was really impressed. Again, they just keep rolling defensive linemen in there, and I would be remiss to say, while it was a an absolute physical beatdown. Utah was anything but at full strength. I'm not making any excuses. The far better team won the game. I don't, there's no question about that. But Utah is not at full strength. And now you do wonder about them uh, going down the rest of the season. It appears they're probably out of the Pac-12 championship game picture. Um, but, hey, that's a balanced conference with a lot of good teams at the top. I think there are more good teams at the top there than in any other league. So, you know, maybe not. Um how about this ACC Wheel of Destiny thing? Do you, do you remember this? I know you're busy covering things. We used to have the big wheel that we yes, spun on no, college football it. final. I remember it. I'm going to match your game show reference, though. And just it had to be noted. And we were texting a little bit about this on Saturday. I didn't bring it up. So the 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 NC State Clemson game is in flux, oh, right? Yeah. So I am like, okay, I got to get to the CW, right? And now I don't know like the CW and it doesn't auto populate with like ESPN, ESPN2, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, YouTube kind of like is uh, intuitive to what you go to. I don't watch a lot of uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. So the CW is not in my memory. So I'm like scrolling down. I remember uh, actually Santa Kate. I was like, do you know where the CW is on like YouTube? TV? I'm scrolling down, scrolling down. And then I see it and there's like the last. So I'm, I check in in the fourth quarter. Up next was Family Feud. <laughs> I, and I, that is like, you know, on the, you know, on the, on the guide. So Instead of going to the studio, as Dave Doran suggested, he would have actually had to go to the feud if uh, <laughs> after after the game if he did want to if he did want to consult our our fine guest picker Steve Smith, um, who who caught a couple strays <laughs> from Raleigh. These coaches, Coach man, Doran. Oh man, oh we talk right about on, it all the right time. Brand, we love though. the petty. They yeah. are petty creatures, man. All it's, these guys, and that was know, that was a chef's kiss of petty. Like, you know what would have been, what would have been great. I love doing this. I can't remember if I sent this to you or if I sent it to another group of friends. Doran uh, saying, you know, that uh, Steve Smith back in the studio, as he put it, uh, could kiss his hindquarters. Dave, apparently, just because he, Steve, you know, made a innocuous reference to NC State being a basketball school, and David Thompson believes that they are. But um, at any rate, um, he made this reference. What would have been great is if the sideline reporter from the CW had said, uh, well, we're we're not going to the studio. And Doran had replied, oh, what's a CW? And then someone had cut in and said, 
we joined the latest episode of Dawson's Creek already in progress right there. <laughs> just, you know, just disappeared from it. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's... I'll say this. The CWs had elite games three weeks in a row. Yeah, yeah. So I, I don't think they actually pick. I think they inherit them, like the yeah. ones that aren't picked on anywhere else. But I've been to the CW now three weeks in a row. It should start auto-populating now in my, uh, in my YouTube TV because they have had... Um, I'm not going to remember. Uh, there was one of the they, Georgia Tech upsets, the they, Virginia they, upset they, they of got North Vir- Carolina. Yeah, yeah, they got that one. And then was it Georgia Tech? That was on ACC Network, I think, Georgia Tech, Miami. I don't think that was that. But the the crew, yeah. CW crew does a great job. They oh, actually sure. noted, yeah. like, they yeah. actually noted, like, we're, we're here again, like, with the world coming to us for the uh, for the unexpected, exciting end of an ACC game. Well, you know, the uh, the the thing is, is, is you it, it was like Herbie and I have joked about we used to, uh, you know, talk about those noon ACC window games and the new Jefferson ACC pilot, window. Jefferson pilot and Raycom yep, and, Raycom, uh, and who, whoever else would do all those, you know, uh, the legendary Mike Hogwood banging around oh, in yeah. the studio and you know, waiting yeah. on uh, waiting on somebody to get upset when they're Bandy, on the road South Carolina. Coast. We interrupt. Yeah. 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 <laughs> and there Nashville. Uh Oh, got an upset brewing there with the three days. You know, that's what the CW is getting. And yeah, that becomes part of the fabric of the sport. It's yes. Cool. You know, no I mean, question. No, no question. No, all, all, all like gentle prods aside. Like that's, I, I mean, a lot of people get the CW. A lot more yeah. people get the CW than get some of these, you know, offshoot networks. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, they've got, they've got pros calling the game too. I mean, hey, no, I no, they do a great job. Understood. They do yes. a terrific, terrific job calling, yes. uh, calling the games. But as far as being upset about everything, you know, <laughs> Kirby, Kirby landed a blindside roundhouse kick at our guy Dan Mullen after the game. I don't know why Dan's like, I've been gone two years. Like, <laughs> you know, the funny thing about the coaches and about our entire. Our, our entire deal is that, you know, if you you're you're in a position that our number one our number one path of loyalty is to the people who are watching the show, mm-hmm. and so you owe it to them to say what you think, and you owe it to them not to put on a show and take a take have a take that you don't believe, but you also owe it to them not to sugarcoat everything and say everybody's great and I wish they could all tie because then everybody would be happy. You know, so I mean, yes. picking somebody to win sure. and, you know, yeah. Doran getting upset at, at a legend like Steve yeah. Smith and and Kirby, although knowing Kirby, Kirby's got that, you know, Kirby's got that little zinger thing. That's his sense oh, yeah. of humor, you know, so yeah. he's, he's having, and he even said something like, I thought you were my friend or something. So <laughs> there was probably a little, a little yeah. playfulness. That was more a jab than a yeah. shot. Yeah, um, he was just having fun. So it was speaking funny. of jabs, we got to bring Bill Connolly in here before he feels like we're taking a shot at him by not yeah. uh, not inviting him from uh, the Zoom never nether world where he Bill, was. Bill uh, must. I think Bill's hiding information from me, Pete. I was trying to get a little insight analytically yesterday um, about the Kirby Moore offense at Missouri as I was kind of thinking ahead and looking ahead to mm-hmm. Georgia. And he flat shut me down after one text, like no All response. Right, there were two. Like, there were two. There were no, two. that's not true. Uh, well, I got to go look right now and see. Uh, <laughs> let's see what we got. I think you shut me down. I was like, well, I'm not trying to steal your column, Bill. I'm just looking for a little insight here. You know, no, there were two, well, there were two, but what, the second one was kind of like, Oh a, no. Okay. No, you're right. A continuation of the first. So, so I yeah, apologize. So I apologize. That's and on it, me, it, it has just been kind of baffling. Um, the, the changes really just kind of have been more, you know, kind of just rounding the edges instead of, of making any massive 
but no, I am not. I'm not hiding secret information. I, I assure you. <laughs> I was like, okay, I overlooked it. I, I, I went down the street and had. Did he send had, you a link to an ESPN Plus subscription? Yeah, he did. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Bill, that's been problematic lately too. But it finally worked again. I guess they got the bugs out. Pete and I were having the same issue. We tried to get to your thing. We'd log into the ESPN yeah. Plus, and it just like went into this uh, endless loop. loop. Yeah, yeah well, you I have a chip to, to end that because I'm still in the loop. Um, the t- the tip that I've been told works is just to contact the help desk and they'll get it taken <laughs> care of very quickly. I end uh-huh. up saying that a lot on Twitter actually to, yeah. to people, and I feel bad. Oh, but... so we weren't the only ones. No, so, no, it's okay. been like I I don't know if a bunch of people's subscriptions just renewed at the beginning of, of football season or something. Oh, okay. I guess that's a possibility, but once the season started, it was pretty constant. So uh, I've got the bundle. I might bundle yeah, with the bundle uh, Disney and yeah. Hulu and something else. Disney Plus, man, that is the key to parenthood. Whew. Yeah, our our twelve year old was was all about the Marvel and the Disney stuff, and then just one day became too old for th- decided she was too old for all of it and just stopped completely. It was uh, you you have that to look forward to in a few more years, but you got a little ways to go, I think. Teddy Thamel refers to television as poo. He just points to it and says poo. Okay. Like Winnie but, the Pooh. Like not, not as in Pooh, but as in Winnie yeah. the Winnie the Pooh. The hun- okay. the honey pot That's Winnie the Pooh. Not okay. not the derriere type of Pooh. Are, are you uh, are are you fluent? Can you do a Winnie the Pooh impression? We can do a Winnie the Pooh impression necessarily. I mean, he just kind of is like a like a little bit of a giggler, like no, no, no. I mean, you oh, as the father, you should be embracing this and creating. <laughs> oh, I like yeah, no, we're, we're you do fan. all that. We're a give, fan of Pooh. Say say as like Pooh would say, oh hello there. Say it. Oh hello there. Okay, pretty good. <laughs> not bad. Not bad. What did you take from the weekend, Bill? What's the <laughs> what are the biggest things that you saw other than uh, Pete mastering Winnie the Pooh? Well, I was happy to actually see one of these upsets actually come to fruition. And not just because I got yelled at last week by a bunch of OU fans for for questioning their defense. Um, although <laughs> I enjoyed that on Saturday, I guess. But no, I mean, this this whole season has been kind of defined by a bunch of favorites looking shaky and then went in anyway. Um, and, and it's, you know, because of that, we were set up for a really interesting uh, November here. We, you know, a lot of teams have still have zero or one losses and uh, the playoff race could go in a lot of different directions. But it was, you know, from Auburn, Georgia on down, it was a bunch of, oh, wow, are we going to see something? Oh, never mind. The favorite just scored two touchdowns and put it away. Um, seeing Kansas actually, it looked like that was going to happen again. And then Kansas completes the big fourth down um, and, and allows OU to go right back down the field, but makes that final stop. Uh, it, it was just, it was cool. Like the, the, the goalpost coming down, the unexpected is, is kind of part of the fact. The lake, and, come on. The lake. You know, I, I, I am not required to acknowledge anything about Kansas football, uh, any specifics. <laughs> um, in fact, every time I get excited for Lance Leipold, I, I get yelled at, uh, by by my kind, I guess, but I just get to point out I have an exemption. I've been the biggest Lance Leipold fan in the world since he was at Whitewater, so um, I get to continue rooting for Leipold. To you succeed. did a big story last year there, right? Yes, yes. yeah. Um, he was he's the one person I haven't ever jinxed. Uh, you know, usually when I go to your school and write about uh, interesting things your coach is doing, you immediately go on like a four game losing streak. But I couldn't even I couldn't even jinx that with Kansas. So um, he's 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 jinx proof at this point. What about what do you make of Washington? And I want to start by saying I know that I know Michael Penix had had the flu. 
there was kind of the obvious hangover situation with Arizona State, though that seemed a bit extreme to me. No offensive mm-hmm. touchdowns with, with that group. And then Saturday night, who knows what happens if, you know, if Stanford receiver doesn't drop the fourth down pass on the trick <laughs> play. I mean, maybe yeah. Washington still wins. I'm not going to say, oh, they would have lost. But I've had a lot of faith in them, and I still do. But I do wonder, uh, you know, I do wonder if they peaked, you know, yeah. a little bit. Teams have peaks and valleys, and you hit that emotional oh, yeah. high with that game against Oregon, and they haven't been able to get it back uh, up to this point. What do you make of that? Yeah, I, I'm still not worried about the offense. I mean, obviously the red zone failures against Arizona State were a problem, but really that was just, I mean, they fumbled like four times yeah. and they've had a little bit of an issue with that this year, but it's still pretty random. And I I, I don't, I, I'm not too concerned about the offense, but the defense now, uh, when I mentioned OU's defense a second ago, like one thing I've been doing a pretty good job of these last couple of years is just kind of watching like who's overachieving or underachieving versus projections offensively defensively and whatnot because it kind of allows you to spot trends or or see into the future a little bit OU was struggling in that regard uh, Washington's now underachieved defensively in four of the last five games um and you know what you know one of those was Oregon they ended up underachieved by like three points that wasn't that big a deal uh but the Arizona game was uh, or excuse me the Cal game was a warning sign uh the 59-32 game um Arizona you know maybe we didn't really know that suddenly they had an amazing quarterback behind center uh and and that was a little bit of a surprise but Oregon was was shaky Stanford was beyond shaky they just don't disrupt anybody um you know they tackle pretty well their secondary is pretty good they don't make any run stops uh, behind the line they don't make any sacks whatsoever they never blitz it's it's a pretty passive uh bend don't break uh defense overall and and when you can't kind of force the issue there you play a good offense you're gonna really struggle to ever make stops the only reason they beat Oregon was because the fourth downs they didn't really ever make a, a, a traditional stop hardly except for in like the third quarter or whatever but um it, that I do think that's a you know as we get into more and more important games against more and more good offenses. I mean, they played Oregon, but they got USC, they've got Oregon State, maybe Washington State will have found a rhythm again before then. You got to be able to force the issue a little bit, and Washington's defense does not do that at all. Can we discuss the Oregon State game? Because I'm going to admit I went to bed, and I went there to was, bed. There was supposedly a gobsmacking fake punt call. Yeah, a fake field goal. Fake field, field goal was that's was right, it, Bill. Yeah, it, they they would have had to walk it off what thirty yards. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think uh, so. it was like an end end of end of the half. Right? End of the half. And, okay. Yeah, and three points that they really could have used a little bit later on. Okay. So that yeah, was that, like that was like a once a season time of whoa call. <laughs> I feel like we've had a lot of whoa calls this year, but maybe not that specific kind. Um, but the other interesting thing about the Pac-12 right now is everybody like we thought was bad isn't necessarily bad now. It's a great point. Um, great point. You know, Arizona changes quarterbacks and just absolutely ignites. Arizona State's defense is yeah. awesome now out of the blue. I mean, luckily for Washington, they don't have an offense, but um, like it's been it's been really interesting to see the the ups and downs within that conference. Washington State's obviously tr- you know trending very very poorly at the moment, but um, the two Arizona schools are bouncing in the other direction. So it's been it's been a really really entertaining year. It makes me sad about everything. I've just been ignoring about everything that's coming down the pike in this regard uh, with the Pac-12 and everything else. But it's been a really really interesting year just for plot twists. We uh, 
we mentioned the ACC wheel of destiny earlier. If you want to, I mean, most people understand and accept that you are a genius. Sure. But for those who doubt, you know how you can convince them right now? Explain Georgia Tech. <laughs> yeah. Mm. No, there's, um, you know, I, I just, if you're going to do something mediocre on average, like be memorable about it. And and Georgia <laughs> Tech has, has last, let's see, the, I was talking about overachieving and underachieving last five games. That's what have, made me think of it. Actually, yeah. I'd seen these. Yeah. Yeah. They, they've overachieved projections by, uh, against Wake Forest by 28 and a half points. Then they underachieved against Bowling Green by 29 and a half points. <laughs> then they overachieved against Miami by 27 points. Then they underachieved against Boston College by 24 points. And then overachieved against North Carolina by 17 points. Uh, so on average, SP plus has them nailed. Uh, it's just, you know, average versus, you know, standard deviation is a, is a little bit of a different story there. there I, I can't, I mean, they're, they're a flawed team with athletes and a coach that doesn't mind taking some chances. And I guess this is the ultimate in volatility right here. You want high variance. If you're an underdog team, you want to give yourself a chance to either win an upset or get blown out. And this is the, the, the most high variance team of all time. And, and you know what? That that team, first of all, they wrecked North Carolina's <laughs> hopes, wrecked yep. them. And guess who they play and what network they're on uh, Saturday, mm, Pete Thamel. I would, ima- I would imagine on the Family Feud Network. They are on the CW. So uh, craziness will ensue when the Ramblin' Wreck takes on the Who's. Um Saturday afternoon, 2 p.m. Eastern time, which by the way, Virginia's Virginia's improved. Uh, yeah, yeah, give, give, give them some credit too. But, oh, they yeah, are the Arizonas. Sure. They are the Arizonas of the ACC. Suddenly Virginia and Virginia Tech um, mm-hmm. are overachieving quite a bit, which I mean, that's fun. I, I, you know, it's from a projection standpoint, I, I'd much rather my numbers get most stuff right, but it's a lot more fun when, uh, when things just, you know, suddenly become completely different for a team, uh, two or three or four or six or whatever many games into the season. It's, um, keeps you on your toes. I, I get a lot of pushback. Pete, I don't know if you're getting this or not, but Herbie and I are especially, um, <laughs> getting a lot of you hate Louisville. <laughs> well, I mean, that that's just simply not true. It's sort of what we were talking about earlier that, you know, you, you can't pick everybody to win and say everybody's great every week. Um, they Half the they, team still lose, Reese? Is that what you're yeah, saying? Yeah, every week? The team, yeah, that's what <laughs> Lou Holtz said that, what, that we came uh, we came on the air for a college football final one night and Holtz said, uh, you know, every week, 50% of the teams are going to lose. And so I just sort of looked at him, looked back at the camera and said, I promise we're going to get more in depth later. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But um, Louisville, that was a really impressive performance. What we said on game day Saturday proved to be true without Riley Leonard at at a good clip. They didn't, you know, it hurt their chances, but, but it was well beyond that. I mean, well beyond that in terms of dominance. What do you make of Louisville right now, Bill? Yeah, I mean, their defense is is kind of ma- the main surprise here. Obviously, it fell apart against Pitt for whatever reason. Um, but I mean, that's when you hire Jeff Brom, you assume you're going to get kind of creative and, and efficient and you're going to do some fun things offensively. <laughs> Defensively, who knows, really? Uh, but he's done a really good job of just crafting a super aggressive identity on both sides of the ball. They they throw they throw punches, they throw haymakers, and they're landing a lot more of them recently. And and they're, you know, I say haymakers. Makers, but you know, 
know, they're not all like that Boston College game where, you know, it's just eight 40 yard pass after 40 yard pass. They're efficient now, too. Uh, they ran the ball really because, yeah, like stopping Duke isn't as hard as it was a few weeks ago, right? Every mm-hmm. time he tried to plant on that ankle, it looked like he was about to fall over. Um, it, it was kind of, it's been kind of awkward to watch these last couple of weeks, but running the ball that well on the Duke defense is, is ridiculously impressive. And mm-hmm. they have a chance. I mean, basically the chaos teams left. I wrote this in my uh, Sunday night column. If you're rooting for chaos down the stretch here, you're rooting for one of the mm-hmm. SEC teams that plays Georgia, uh, mm-hmm. be it Ole Miss or Tennessee or Missouri. The, and Ole Miss and Missouri both have one loss still. Or you're rooting for Louisville uh, because they have one loss. They can absolutely play themselves into a nice spot here. And uh, they finish the year with, with Flor- potentially, if they keep winning, with Florida State in the ACC championship. So, yeah, those. I mean, they're just a chaos team in general. They they really really are fun to watch, and uh, I, I I personally do not root again. I personally do not hate Louisville. I, I can't. No, speak do on I. Unlike Reese, yeah. I don't really know where. I don't really know where that came from. It's been really strange. I think they have kind of a salty fan base, Reese. Like well, it's just Louisville fans are a little salty. Yeah, it's um, been it's been kind of it's been kind of up and down. Yeah, I, my standard response to all of that stuff is always, oh, I missed all the thank you notes for the nice stuff I said. One dollar to Bill Rafter. Oh yeah, yeah. But, no, they never remember yeah, that. It's um, you know the um, the one thing that is surprising about the ACC Pete is for inside track to the ACC championship game against Florida state, Louisville and Virginia tech. Yeah, no, that's, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, wow. it's unbelievable to put a bow on Louisville. Brom really searched because they had some high moments at Purdue, including making the title game. Oh, last yeah. year. But yeah. He had been, he had been searching before last season for that right piece of defensive coordinator. He went through quite a few. Bob Diaco made a made a quick cameo there. Um, their their DC left for uh, for for Wake two two seasons ago. Um, and like they just never had quite found that piece right. And Brom had you know talked pretty openly about his struggles with that. Now he has old Ron English promoted him from on the staff. <laughs> Ron English, former DC at Michigan, former head coach at Eastern Michigan. Mm-hmm. He's been around a little bit. And if you really look at Louisville, I think their defense might be the most surprising unit to me in college football this season. Um, to think Louisville's scoring defense would be ahead of their scoring offense, pretty surprising, <laughs> right? Especially with the way that Brom plays. Um, top 10 rush defense. Again, they have good players. But I, I in, give them credit for maximizing those players and, and putting them in 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 position. I I think like Ron English isn't like the sexiest name on the board, but that'd be a pretty good Broyles nominee just for for the work done there um, with what was given. Yeah, they've got. He's making the most of a really good defensive line. They, they can get pressure without blitzing very much. And I, I was you know looking through the millions of stats I try to track in a given week. They're fourth in tackle success rate. They don't miss tackles. Wow. Um, above, above all else, they do well. Um, you know, you can still kind of create a, some glitches downfield. Like when they give up a good pass, it's a pretty big pass. Uh, lots of twenty yard gains. But uh, you, that's that's the only way to to break them right now. Their run defense is fantastic, uh, and they're just better than most of the offensive lines they face. And that'll be super interesting against Florida State. Florida State's offensive – I don't want to pretend like it's still 2018 or whatever. Their offensive line has come a long way over the last couple of years. But mm-hmm. if you're trying to list out potential weak spots for FSU – um, you know, you might still try to start there, and Louisville might be able to take advantage of that. I mean, there it's really a fascinating thing because I think they have a trip to Miami, yep. and you know, Miami's very capable. But 
we've we talked about earlier in the season that the schedule was in their favor mm-hmm. and you know now they're they're taking advantage of it and another you know they're playing Virginia Tech this weekend run the quarterback they've had some explosive runs and uh Basial Tootin has been you know really yeah. good for them too and uh Chiron Drones taking over has made uh, Virginia Tech a little bit different but you know I I, I Look, regardless, I almost want to bow up uh, against the people just to tweak them and have some fun. But I, th- I think Louisville's really good. You know, I did. <laughs> yeah. You know, what? I know what they got mad about. They got mad about my whole "if you're not good enough, a loss will find you" because what I just said about the schedule is true. You know, they missed the major perceived contenders in the ACC, but you know, not quite good enough to get through it unbeaten. All I mean by that, and I think I've explained this a hundred times. Is when when you're if you're basing your assessment of what a team can accomplish solely on the fact that they miss teams X Y and Z on their schedule, that's not good enough. Yeah. You know you're going to lose to somebody, and you know you take Michigan for instance. Michigan is good enough. Now Michigan may lose to Penn State, they may lose to Ohio State, but Michigan's not going to lose to you know to Minnesota. You know they're not going to lose to Rutgers, and you're not going to lose. You know, and I don't mean to be taking a shot at Louisville. They're not going to lose to Pittsburgh. You know, so it's. The, the one thing, though, is I noticed that Brahm had said that sort of against his nature, you know, they have, you know, Plummer's thrown a bunch of interceptions or more than they would like, maybe is a better way to put it. So, you know, take some shots. They're going to run the ball, too, with Jamar mm-hmm. Jordan, which is a really, really, really good idea yes. <laughs> to run the ball with him. He's been magnificent. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and it's strange anytime you have a really, really good run game, but you stink in the red zone. But really, that's that's been Louisville's biggest. Uh, yeah, their turnovers, random turnover issues are one thing, but the, like their red zone touchdown rate, they're 83rd in that. Their defense is actually 89th, despite being good defending the run. Um, so that doesn't make much sense at all, but it is still an issue for them. And it's a point of vulnerability because, I mean, yeah, you can we can talk ourselves into Louisville being good enough to win out and play and beat Florida State. They also have to play those two hot teams that we just talked about from Virginia and then Miami and then Kentucky, um, who I still think is – I mean, obviously Kentucky's – you know, the, falling victim to playing other really good teams right now. But um, I, I think they could still land some punches on a good team like Louisville as well. So it's their their season is very much a, a lot of possibilities. I'm looking at uh, see a 17% chance of going 11 and one and an 8% chance of going eight and four. So uh, <laughs> lots of potential outcomes here. As uh, as an aside, before we bounce out of here, Devin Leary <laughs> suddenly looked good. Uh, you know, looked, yep. looked pretty good the other night. They got a tough call go against him. I saw, uh, I saw on X or whatever we're supposed to call it now. I guess <laughs> Stoops sent in, uh, sent in a pretty extensive film review to the powers that be in the officiating in the SEC. Un- displeased a week after Heifel's displeased. Seems to be a lot of, <laughs> uh, seems to be a lot of that connection going around when you when you're at the margins in these yep. games and something yep. doesn't quite bounce your way, then you know you're gonna. You're gonna blame. You're gonna blame the officials, and um, but which sometimes they 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 earn it. They they earn the blame sometimes, but sometimes they don't. We will talk on Wednesday about Bill Connolly's Missouri Tigers and their opportunity. <laughs> you you think you got a season altering upset on Saturday from Missouri's arch em- uh, arch enemy in Kansas? Way you get a load of what might happen if Missouri could pull the shocker against Georgia. The little secret here is that 
uh, old Kirby's not going to get caught unaware. They've done plenty of work Probably on Missouri, not. as you would as you would expect uh, during the bye week. We'll talk about that. Look ahead to game day's trip back to Alabama for a second time. We're just going to go ahead and say it right now. A challenge to people in Alabama, the fans. Uh, there is no place in this point in the game day season with the crowds we've had at places like Utah, which was fantastic, at places like Washington, which was unbelievable. Uh, Ohio State, very solid for a noon game. If you are the mecca of college football, which Alabama fans believe that they are, show the people. Let's see what you've got. Let's bring something Saturday morning on the quad on college game day. Before then, let's uh, let's see what you have. Show the backing. Gonna your team's gonna need it. They're gonna need it uh, against against that LSU team on Saturday night. Bill, always a pleasure. Pete, great talking to you. Glad, glad to have you back on the podcast. Uh, exemplary work on the Michigan story. Uh, <laughs> thanks for listening to the College Game Day podcast. Back with an episode on Wednesday. Easiest way to not have to keep up with such things is to subscribe so that right there on your fancy mobile device, it's just there for your listening pleasure. Talk to you soon.